Hello, welcome to Designer vs. Developer Podcast with myself, Mustafa, Design Advocate at Google. This week we're speaking to Paul Lewis and asking the question, are designers and developers born or are they made? And covering all the things around that nature versus nurture and whatnot. We also speak about a media app that Paul's working on and what it's like as a developer who has a design eye and a slant for design. Hope you enjoy this. One of the inspirations for doing this show was when I first started at Google, I would hear a lot of um, conversations happening in DevRel and design relations. It was in particular the conversations that we used, uh, we still have, rather used to have. I'm a designer who, amongst my design clique, have been, has been known as the technical person. And amongst the DevRel folks, you're known as the creative person, even though you're a developer. So I suppose the question is, um, are designers born? Or are they made and the same as the, are developers born and are they made? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I, Hashtag so, impact. I know, right? On the one end, I think you could, you could say there are people who are gonna, who are gonna affirm that like, it's just, you've either got it or you haven't. Like, you're born with it or you, you don't have it, right? And then there are the other people who say like, if you work hard enough, you can achieve anything. I feel like I want to be somewhere in the, the moderate middle there and say, for example, like not talking about designing or developing, no matter how fast I run, I will never beat Usain Bolt. Or how well I sing, I'm never going to sing as well as Beyonce or somebody like that. But if I took singing lessons or running lessons, I'm sure I could improve where I'm at, right? So I feel like, I don't want to say that it's just it's all or nothing depending on like what you were born with, but nor do I want to say if you work hard enough, like I don't think I could ever beat Usain Bolt in a 100 meters race, right? Isn't so that nature versus nurture, like if you were trained or were exposed to that um, from a young age and it became just like the thing, you know, it's like, um, it's like it always feels like Brazilians are born with a football at their feet because they're just the most unbelievable. But then when you learn like culturally, like kids will play like football in the favelas with really heavy balls, which means they have to do lots of technical skills, which means when they have a normal football, which everyone else is used to, they're like amazing. But it's because it's almost like they've been trained from a young age. And it's almost like it feels like a nature and nurture. I mean, as a designer, I'm supposed to say, no, we are born because we're in an ivory tower and we have to, um, we shouldn't be challenged. Everything we should say is, is, is as is. But the longer I've been in industry, um, some of the, the best designers I've come across come from a computer science background, uh, or even completely unrelated related to art. It almost feels like they are more cultured with other disciplines, therefore they're almost better designers. Yeah, I think that there's probably a function of opportunity in there, right? As in, I wouldn't do what I'm doing now if I hadn't been able to go off and study computer science at uni, right? I did, that just wouldn't have happened, right? Because, or it might have done, but it might have taken a different path. But it would have been, the requirement is that I would have had time to spend with computers, right? Which not everybody has. I could argue that I'm the world's best tobogganist. I've just not had the chance to do some tobogganing. And if I did, then I would show my price. I, I suspect that's not actually the case, <laughs> right? But I, that could be the argument that you make. And I think that's probably what, partly what you're saying is that Surely, you know, if you if you had the opportunity from an early enough age, you could achieve. And yet, we know that if you take your example, not every child in the favelas actually ends up being a professional footballer. So there's still some differentiator somewhere, and that that might be other aspects of life that yeah, have nothing to do with football. But it may also be that there's there are just sort of there's a ceiling, uh, physiological ceiling there. And I, so I I don't know, but my my feeling is that it's a function of both. 
uh, your opportunities and the context in which you grow up, so the, the, the nurture, I suppose, and then your, um, you know, your suitability to a particular area. You know, some people just find it easier to play musical instruments. Some people find it easier to, to, to run longer distances. But That's it, just... But is it that they find it easier or is it like, I mean, I would concede that there is possibly some innate tenacity that people are born with, that they just have some, wherever it comes from, um, from a spiritual or whatever, like biological um, point of view, depending on what you, what everyone believes. But I, I, I'm willing to concede that there is something that there's that thing that makes someone say, I have to do this, whatever it is, whether it's run fast, design well, code, there's like some burning desire that means that you will stay up until like the early hours. Like, and it's not um, a chore. I, I will concede there is that, but I don't know if, me being born with some natural ability to use a paintbrush. I mean, I went to art college with some gifted um, painters. I mean, they were like 16 and uh, two of these uh, guys I went with them. The, the illustrations and drawings they could do were unbelievable and I've never seen anyone draw to the degree that they have. But then when you look at their background, it's like their parents went to art college. Their brothers and sisters went to art college. It was almost like they learned how to use a paintbrush in the same manner that we would learn how to use a spoon. So it's almost like it feels like they have unfair advantage and again, because from my background, I always still, it's like, you know, everything is an unfair advantage, but how much of that is still like, you know? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, 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 it's I, impossible. It's, it is in some ways impossible to say, but I, I, so my background was that I didn't actually get to start programming until I was 18. And a lot of the people who I was at university with had been coding since wherever. They, they were like second, third generation software engineers, yeah. right? So they had that similar thing. And so I had to counter it with, I'm going to work super hard to try and play catch up and hopefully go past, you know, and be better than these other people. And that was easy for me in terms of, I, I didn't, I found that I was, I had the desire to do it. I had the, so I had both the opportunity, but I also had the desire. Um, but there are other things in my career that I've had to simply learn to do and become good at just because that's just part of being a person. Sometimes you end up just doing things that you weren't expecting to do and you get on and you do them. And sometimes you find that actually you're quite good at those given the effort. And sometimes you just think, you know what, no matter how hard I try, I'm just not going to, to, to succeed at this. I, um, I did a thing, uh, well, I've actually, have you ever done one of those personality tests? Yes. Right. So I did one. I came up as an advocate, which was quite convenient. Oh, what a relief for us all. <laughs> that's that's actually very good news. Um, I I did one, and the the premise of it was uh, that you should just not spend your time working on the things that you are not actually um, suitable for. And it said the the general gist was, let's say you're a professional sports um, sportsman or sportswoman, and let's say you're a, a golfer, and you're already good at golf you may as well spend your time becoming superb at golf if that's where you start, rather than saying, oh, I'm, I'm a good golfer, but I should take up swimming as well. Why? There's, you, could, you could spend your whole life becoming really good at golf, right? And then become perhaps exceptional at golf. And I think there's something to that as well. So I, I'm, I'm sort of, I'm torn. On the one hand, I want to sort of say, you know what, it's actually good for, good for somebody to try new things. I could be the best tobogganist in the world, just need that opportunity, right? So maybe I should give that a go. Um, and maybe the thing is to try and, um, I should think about my own children and whether I want to actually 
like give them as, as broad a set of opportunities as possible, as young as possible, to sort of say, okay, what do you show an aptitude for? What do you actually have a passion for? And that's the thing that we try and help you pursue um, within you know, the context of what we can do. Um, but that's me saying, I think there is a, an, a, you know, a suitability question, there's a, a, you know, a, an aptitude thing mixed with a desire that then as a combination brings out the best in people. Yeah. Um, and what do you do if one of those two things doesn't match? Somebody has, is really passionate about something, but they're not very you know, uh, suited to it or whatever. And I don't know that there's a, a good answer there. You know, why shouldn't you do something just because you're not absolutely stellar at it? That just seems exclusive and, and wrong. Yeah, and also, I mean, the, on top of that, life sometimes throws a curveball at you. I mean, there's the famous story of Muhammad Ali. The reason why he got into boxing was because someone stole his bike. And then he goes up to the gym and says, I want to find the person who did it. That's my motivation. And then becomes the greatest boxer, arguably of all time. So it's like life sometimes, um, and, you know, had that, you know, the, the, the guy didn't, or the person who stole the bike, had not started, we perhaps never seen Muhammad Ali. Right, I, mean, I was saying this earlier to somebody that had I not done programming, uh, or sorry, had I been able to start my programming career sooner, I may not have had that kind of itching Burning desire, desire right, yeah. to kind of get on with it. And so by the time I, because I grew up in the Northwest in the 90s, it wasn't like this hotbed of kind of programming talent, right? It was very unusual to have somebody who was like, I want to do computing, uh, or it seemed that way. And so I was itching to get from my hometown to university just so I could learn, you know, even just sort of learning with books wasn't going to do it. Would my career have been different had I been able to start programming? So, you know, I don't think we'll ever know. Um, so coming back to the, I suppose, your original question, are, they, are designers and developers, are they made or are they born? I'm somewhere, I think, in the middle. But I think that, so for my own my own experience is that I would never introduce myself as a designer. That's, I find that strange because you do actually, I mean, I, your design skills, I mean, you know, are quite respectable. Thanks. I mean, and, and, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Again, weight off. Um, thank you. Uh, yeah, but and I you kind of occupy a very interesting space where you're someone who can speak code or developer and you, you're someone who has a strong appreciation for design and can apply it. So. Yeah. But I, and that's, it's interesting because um, I had that opportunity. My first job as a developer was in a design house where I was working alongside print designers day in, day out. And I was exposed to kerning, leading, you know, widows, all these term, bits of terminology. And, you know, I, I went, came there being a programmer and that was my job, but I, the exposure. And it was one of these things that I still, I wouldn't say that oh, that's that's why I can, you know, hold my own in you know design packages. It was um, I could see those those things and I could start to see the principles that were at play, and then I tried to apply them myself. Got it wrong and I adjusted and tried to course correct. And I'm still um, that's a process, but it's the same process that I go through with programming. It's the same mindset. The mindset is simply I want to understand what the principles are at play here. And I'll figure some of those out by myself, but I'll figure some of those out because other people have figured them out before me. And so I, I'm interested in, in improving in that area. So again, the desire is there in me to actually improve. Um, but I would say my aptitude is more skewed towards development. I find it easier to adapt and adopt those principles more readily than the design ones. I find that strange because you do seem to... I mean, because you're working on a media app at the moment. I am, yes. And you do seem to... Like naturally traverse both. I know, it's which is why I think you're almost like the proof to say that you're not born. It's not because you're able to navigate both 
like it's not just someone who's learned a bit about color theory. It's someone who can apply, and it's. Again, I'm, I'm uh, giving you lots of praise here. Thank you. It's, I'll, I'll it's, it's very good for my ego. Of course it is. Uh, hashtag impact. <laughs> um, but I always find that interesting, like as, as a developer who's able to navigate both. I mean, like with your media app, how are you, how are you doing that? Because you feel that there is something you have to be born with, but you're kind of proving my point that you're not. Well, I mean, you'd have to have a control me somewhere else that was, that was not given the same experience and then put them in a similar situation and see what happens. If you give, in fact, you probably want two me's, one that's just purely done development, throw them into the design and see what happens, and one who's done design and throw them into development and see what happens. Um, another thing that's, uh, I think, related to this is that I grew up in the web development scene in Flash. It was actually one of my first experiences, and that oh, was a, there was a tool that was combining design and development. It was like it forced you into that mode where you, you only knew half of the, the IDE if you only did one of those two tasks. And you, so you ended up with developers with a sense of aesthetic and you had designers with a sense of code because the tooling and the environment sort of push you towards that world. But I still think, as I, I come back to it, my, my attitude towards design is it was something I wanted to understand better. It was something I wanted to be able to do. I was surrounded by designers in my first professional role who could design. And I was comfortable with my own ability as a developer, having done a degree in coding, I felt like, actually, this isn't the thing that I kind of need to prove myself as being able to do amongst my peers, all these other people who work here. That's something that I can already do, and I'm, I'm fine with that, and I'm sort of, compared to where they were, they were spending their days designing all sorts of things, I can do that bit. Oh, sorry, I can't do that bit, but I can do the bit they can't do, so that's fine, let's forget that bit. Right, the bits that they can do that I can't. I feel inferior now, and that's probably playing into some of my psyche. Right, I better learn how to do that. I had, there was no benefit to me other than I can now do something else. Um, so I don't think it's a design and development thing for me particularly, although I am enjoying doing the media app, not least of which because the designer and the developer get on famously. Um, and they're very understanding of each other's perspective, which is a wonderful thing for me. Um, but I do feel like actually the, the underlying principle, the underlying part of my psychological makeup is that I actually want to, I always want to learn, and I always want to be better, and I don't want to be the one who's lost in, in that. Well, I, in ignorance, you don't want to be in ignorance. I, yeah, I don't, and so that drives me to learn instruments, it drives me to do all sorts of things in my life, really. I suppose one last point on that is like, do you think it makes you a much more better developer to be aware of design? Like, do you feel much more cultured developer? I mean, because from my point of view, I think as a designer who knows, I mean, I say I know how to code. When I say that amongst uh, DevRel folks, they laugh. It's like, oh, you We don't CSS. laugh. Yeah, well, you know, um, HTML, CSS, that's not real code, but... It is, it is, it's really hard. It feels, to me, it feels like you become a much more cultured designer because you're aware of the platform. Yes. Um, which, again, could possibly work against you in some respects because it means that kind of very discovery, going crazy, and putting a developer on a, like, you know, in a position where you have to make this and it's impossible. Um, but it still feels like I feel much more of a culture of designer and more understanding and uh, empathizing with developers. Mm. Do you feel like the same? Yeah, so I, I, I think of it as a sliding scale depending on where you are. So some of the best and exciting projects for me that I've ever done have been the ones where a designer set out the, 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 the goal and the overall feel, but they had no idea that that was unachievable. And so it fell to me as on the development side to both maintain their aesthetic, 
but achieve the thing that they dreamt of. So that was a really, they'll be technically challenging. So it sort of, uh, it scratched that itch of my personality. So you, sometimes you want the people who just like, I don't know what's possible, so I did a thing. And now you're forced to make that thing a reality and that can be a really good testing ground. In the middle bit where you're actually, like I said, I had to maintain an aesthetic and do some code. That, that crossover point, rather than it being over the wall and a sort of a strict silo, you want that transition point where you've got somebody who can go between those two worlds and say, look, I understand the aesthetic, I understand actually what you're trying to achieve visually and from a UX point of view and you know, all these other aspects of, of the design, but I also know the technical limitations are there or there are more suitable ways to achieve what you were trying to achieve, so how about we do that? So that, it's that point of compromise in the middle that actually is, has been most valuable to me. Um, by but, but feeling like I really can do that. Is it really compromise though? I mean, because you're basically, yeah. it's, it's refining to a final point rather than... Okay, so sometimes, it, sometimes it's compromise because sometimes, say, the, the, the design is unachievable, for example, and you have to co compromise to say, okay, what can actually go? Sometimes it's actually, you can, you can inform and say, well, actually, the technology allows us to do this thing, so we could actually change that and that would actually be a better experience. So you can sometimes upgrade. Um, so downgrades, upgrades, and just side shifts as well. Um, but I, I think the role of somebody who arguably is in my position is that, that being able to sort of navigate the, from the purity of both sides, if you see what I mean, like this, this distinct sort of siloization, is that it's the crossover point, and that's, that's a, it's a tremendous freedom. It can also be the worst of both worlds, because you quite simply kind of go, well, I'm not the person who will come up with the outlandish, out there design because why would I? You know, I, I, I can't see past the technology. I can't see past the, the restrictions that I know exist. But isn't that just a state of mind? Maybe. We've spoken about it many times before. We have. Um, it might be a state of mind. And I think last time you asked me, I think I, I counted by saying, asking you if you can drive. Can you drive? Yes. Right, you can drive. Can you remember what it's like to not drive? Yes, because I drive very badly. <laughs> Which is really ruining your logic. Yeah, it is ruining my logic. I've actually thought about this before. <laughs> oh. Okay, so I'll, I'll have to... I find it hard, as somebody who can drive, to stall a car. I find it hard to... I can do it, but I have to really, really concentrate. And I, it's, a, it's a decision you have to make rather than... It's a cognitive of. load that I have to kind of carry around. It's like, okay, forget the technology. In the same way, like, forget how to drive. It's, and it's as easy as that, which means it's not easy. Once you kind of... Once you know your restrictions, it's very hard to de-restrict yourself. Once you tainted with the, the skill. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure it's tainted, but it was only once you got to that point. How do you undo that knowledge and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pretend like the technology isn't going to be a, a restricting factor? See, again, I, I think the restrictions are the thing which enhances, because it's like, if you're an architect like, and you don't know anything about bricklaying, you try and design a building that's ridiculous. You know, it's like, right. you know, the Homer Simpson inventing a car, and it's like all these ridiculous, it's just like, it's just not... It's not designed, it becomes more of an expression rather than... So the question is more than, sounds like it's twisting more towards, is it beneficial? If you're a designer and you, and you take the view that you can't develop and therefore you won't develop, are you holding yourself back? I think that's, I mean, maybe, maybe in some context, only for that, that crossover point, yes. In the same way with a developer, can you be a perfectly good developer without designing? Yes. Would you be a more empathetic developer if you knew more about design and aesthetic? Yes, I think you would. And I think that's, there's nothing wrong with saying that. And I think it's how far you can get along that path is how much, partly how much 
time you want to invest, how much of yourself you want to invest, and a function of your suitability to, to that task and how easy you find it to take on, say, the principles. Even, even if you don't say, I'm going to be the most creative designer out there. I'm a developer, I'm going to be the most creative designer. Even if you say, I'm just going to try and understand why line length matters, why leading and kerning matter, why, you know, th things to do with white space and, and so on, why these things matter. So I understand the principles or easing of motion, why that matters and how that plays into things. And, you know, I'm going to invest just a little bit of my time. That goes an awful, awful long way to actually, in my experience, of, of improving you in other ways. It just broadens your horizons. Um, and why limit yourself? Well, and why limit yourself? It's, it's actually, re I find it fascinating. I find it really interesting to completely come up with new things. So in reality, it doesn't matter if you're, they're born or made. It's just about the individual wanting to... Well, we were all born not knowing how to, say, write or, or speak or, or walk. And yet we all managed to get to at least, you know, many of us get to that point, right? Well, I don't know about us, but... Yeah. <laughs> And so there's clearly a sense in which you can always improve. And I think you should always look to improve. And I think certainly in what we do, improving across that boundary is, is helpful to you and it's helpful to everybody else if you do. I think that's really great. <laughs> Winning. Winning.